Welcome everyone to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. So good to be with you. Hello, Jerry. Hello, honey. Nice to have you here. Today's theme is slay the dragon of mm -hmm. wrong assumptions. Mm -hmm. Now, this is our second in a series of eight podcasts around emotionally healthy relationship skills. Now, after 40 years of leading, wow. we have found, discovered that one of the largest gaps in training leaders as well as discipleship in general is how to build healthy relationships, mature community, mature teams. It's a massive gap in our leadership training and discipleship in our in our churches. And so as a result, we have lots of conflicts and tensions and frustrations and stress, confusions, month after month, year after year in our churches and relationships. And the fruit of our churches and ministries is not that different very often from the rest of the world. So mm -hmm. one of our unique contributions of emotionally healthy discipleship that we've been working on for the last almost 30 years here is uh, addressing this missing piece and of discipleship or leadership formation, talking about slow down spirituality and emotional health. Those are the two big buckets. And uh, today we are going after the life and death issue of the dragon of wrong assumptions. Mm -hmm. And because it impacts friendships, families, Churches. marriages, churches, teams, yeah. uh, workplaces, leadership, supervision, you name it. And so, so we need skills. And so we went on this long journey of decades developing skills to uh, put our theology into practice, not just preach about, but actually do it. And so uh, there's eight skills that are part of what we call today the emotionally healthy uh, relationships uh part of the course, emotionally discipleship has two parts. The second part is called emotionally healthy relationships. And so uh, these eight skills, we began two weeks ago in the podcast on community temperature reading. Mm -hmm. Then today we're going to get into uh, stop minds reading or wrong assumptions and slaying that dragon. Then we'll move on to the others as we get along. So each skill is separate, but they're connected and they have levels of depth. Mm -hmm. You like to call it small, medium, and large. So it's beginner, mid, and then high level. And uh, but they're critical discipleship moments and mentoring for people who were serving and leading, especially. <laughs> right? especially. They're for everybody, but those of us in leadership have to become experts at these skills in order to have healthy, thriving, loving communities. So it's for them personally, for you, them personally, but it's also for leading people. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so again, in general, let me just encourage you, if you've never taken that little assessment, am I an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult, please take it. It's a 15-minute online assessment at emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature and get a sense of where are you on this emotionally healthy uh, spirituality spectrum mm -hmm. and get a feel as we now dive into these different skills today about assumptions, where you are. So that's emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. Yeah. Great inventory. So Joe, let's take it before we jump to the next skill. Uh, let's just review the one we did, the foundational skill, community temperature reading. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were going to share about something about Virginia Satir created that skill and its relationship to the voice, finding your voice. Well, yeah, I mean, that um, skill was created because she happened to have uh, be doing a family retreat. And especially for families that were experiencing um, significant difficulties. And there was a lot of uh, tension in the retreat. 
And she realized the tension when people were coming to her with comments and um, things they were uh, upset about. And she realized it was kind of centered around one family, one child in particular. And they, she realized a lot of the things they were saying were based on assumptions because she kind of knew what was going on, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, anyway, she realized and then created the, actually the community temperature reading to create an environment where the, they could, could create uh, a nurturing atmosphere, a positive atmosphere, but also have a place to express, use their voices rather than going to somebody else yep. uh, with their upsetness, but uh, a place where they could express, use their voice about what was going on inside of them, uh, which came out through the uh, complaint, I notice and I prefer, yep. or came out um, puzzled rather than make these judgments that they were making and casting this big shadow on this family that really wasn't justified. And it was amazing what came out of that experience and that retreat as those families were then able to express themselves with those boundaries yep. of those five areas. And it was, it was wonderful. And so we call that last, uh, the first foundational skill, the community temperature reading. And one thing I shared did not share. And this quote, you tell me if it's still clear. Uh, to you, that we called the last podcast, Unleash the God-Given Voice of Your People. And John Lederer, that uh, that Mennonite scholar who's been working in conflict resolution parts of the world, whether it's Nicaragua, Colombian cartels, Northern Ireland, and he says at the end of one of his books, what he discovered in conflicts is that people who love the best and the deepest are those who have found a way to be in touch with their God-given voice. I love that. I mean, after 30 years of doing this, I've never actually heard it put that way. It's a recent read of yours, but it, it is so accurate. And actually, I think we'll really hone in on that when we get to speaking. We will. Like, you know, how do, how do, you, how do we speak clearly, respectfully, honestly, et cetera. So, and we get to clean fighting as yeah, well, oh, yeah. a ladder of integrity, and the skills that will follow. Absolutely. Yeah. There is, when you feel you have your own power and you feel then free, uh, you feel healthier enough, yeah. healthier to be able to express yourself um, to others. And then of course, these tools, these handles we're giving you in each of these skills, people love the, their handles that enable me to move into a whole new territory of expressing myself, which um, leads to right. all sorts of positive things. Now, before we continue, we launched this podcast for leaders like you who are facing complex pressures in order to live and lead out of a deep inner life with Jesus. The demand for this kind of content has far outpaced our resources to deliver this message. Your financial partnership will allow us to reach more leaders in under-resourced countries where this message is critical. So I want to invite you to join with us today by giving at emotionallyhealthy.org slash give so that together we can radically renew the leaders in God's church around the world. Thank you for your support. Now back to today's topic. So let's jump now to skill number to skill of today, which yeah. is stop mind reading or uh, slaying the dragon of wrong mm -hmm. assumptions. Yep. So stop mind reading or wrong assumptions 
creates so much pain in relationships. We know that. We've seen it. People quit jobs over wrong assumptions. People quit marriages over wrong assumptions. People leave churches over wrong assumptions. Friendships end over wrong assumptions. People get ill because of wrong assumptions. They internalize it, and it really can eat you up, as we say. Well, as you said today over breakfast, people don't sleep. They have insomnia because of wrong assumptions. How, How many leaders... You know, have insomnia at some point because you're just turning over something yeah. over and over in your mind. I right, so Jerry, you're the one who said we got to call this title of this podcast something really strong. So the title "Slay the Dragon of Wrong Assumptions." Why did you feel so strong that that had to be this title? Because it's a dragon that's got to be slain. Yeah. When I when you were thinking about the title, and I, when I think about this skill, I think about two things. One, it is a huge threat. It is a huge threat, but it's, it can, but it's an invisible. It's unknown because people aren't used to checking out their assumptions or even being aware that what they're doing is making an assumption. And yet it is so harmful to not just yourself emotionally and biologically, but also to relationships. And of course, and then to communities. So that's why, number one, you know, dragons are a threat. <laughs> and it's an ongoing threat. Mm. Um, it's big. This is a big threat. Like, this is big. But the re- second reason I like the dragon image is because when you think of a dragon, like, they're, it's a threat. Mm. And they're formidable. And what I mean by uh, formidable is... In this case, is that it's daunting. Like, you know, you face a dragon, it's daunting. And when I think about trying to slay the dragon of assumptions in our culture, in our churches, it can feel daunting at first. Because, and the reason I say daunting is because I, in my own little unscientific method, I, I, I kind of keep track of how much mind reading or assumptions people make, even when they're just talking to me, whether it's family, friends, you know, et cetera. And I would say it's about 80% of the time. Wow. Like, that's what I mean that's when I say, oh, that's when I say when it's daunting. And I, the reason is because it's just part of the culture. It's just part of the culture. It's the air we breathe. This is, oh, this is what I'm thinking. So it must be true, which is absolutely not the truth. I would say also maybe 90% of the time. So anyway, it's both a threat and it's both can feel daunting because of the pervasiveness of it, but it's really not. It's something, this is what I get so excited about this skill, because if you begin to learn it and internalize it, it's this little teeny thing you have to do, and yet it has massive benefit. Awesome. Well, and, and yet what's so interesting, you're talking, this is only the second skill. This is the foundational skill to get started. We're, we haven't got to clean fighting or ladders of integrity, but this is the beginning. Yes, so it's yes, awesome. yes. And you're, they're gonna, I guess we'll mention it maybe next time around clarify expectations. Yep. yep. We're, we're going to go at this, this mind reading, this assumptions, this avoiding judgment. We go at it with three skills because of the pervasiveness of it and because of our, our unawareness of it as well. So let's just take a, a just a few minutes. Let's explain the skill. Let me just, and yep. then we'll model it. Great. And then we'll start making applications of leadership and all kinds of things. So uh, stop minding, stop mind reading is the name of the skill. And it comes out of the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. In other words, we don't lie. 
And the degree to which we live in truth is the degree to which we are free people, which I learned that from you. It's very great saying, and that Jesus' kingdom can't be built on lies and pretense, but only on truth. So when I make assumptions about you or about other people without checking them out, I'm living something in my brain. I'm living something. It's a lie. It's a fabrication. It's not necessarily reality at all. Right. And thus we're not in Jesus kingdom at that point. We're somewhere else. And so it damages relationships. So this is actually built on a number of proverbs. Uh, and if you, uh, there's a book in the, in the course, there's actually a Bible study on proverbs about the goal is to mature from being fools to wise people. Oh, amen. And so fools, uh, don't air their own, fools air their own opinions. It says in Proverbs, they're, uh, they answer before listening. That's their shame and folly. Uh, they don't seek out wisdom and answers. They just kind of start talking. And that Proverbs talks about growing in prudence and wisdom. And so that's really the foundation of this whole skill. Um, because we're fools when we jump to judgments and conclusions without checking them out. Yeah. We are fools. That's so, what I see. Proverbs 18.2 actually says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, mm. but delight in airing their own opinions. That's mm. a great verse, 18.2. So we want to grow people. We want to grow wise and grow a wise, mature community, but we want to grow wise people. And right. uh, exactly. so stop exactly. mind reading is the goal of it is clarifying what another person's thinking. And some Christians get offended by that word mind reading. And you didn't want to use the word stop mind reading for the skill of your member years ago. We first titled it this. And the reason I insisted was because there's actually a com command in the Old Testament to, that it's evil to stop mind reading. It's considered demonic. And the Christians. And it's evil to mind read. To mind read. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And Christians are the last people on earth that should be doing any mind reading of other people. And so we've got it. We want to cast it out of the Christian community, out of our lives and get free. So the skill works very simple, simply like this. We never assume we know what another person's thinking or what another person's feeling. So it goes like this. Uh, you reflect on something another person's maybe told you, or you wonder what they think and feel. And you basically say, may I have permission to read your mind? Or uh, when they say yes, and then I say, I think that you think, blah, blah, blah. Or can I check out an assumption with you? And they respond. And they say, is that correct? Respond. So let's let's just do it. I'll I'll do it with you, sure. Okay. And then you can do it with me, okay. unless you want to go first. Um. No, you can go first. All right. So Jerry, may I have permission to read your mind? Yes, you may. I think that you think that I'm responsible to find the place uh, in January where we can go away and I can write for a couple of weeks, and at the same time we can have a partial vacation but that I am solely responsible to figure that out, where we're going, boss, how we're getting there and all that. Is that correct? No. <laughs> um, I would love your involvement. I guess I, I kind of think I'm more responsible for that. Maybe that's, and again, that's my own mind reading. So, but I, I hope it's, I hope we have to figure out how we can mutually mutually be involved okay. in it. But I, I would love for you to be doing some yeah, in, initiative and groundwork. Okay. But I'm not yourself. solely responsible for this thing. No, you are not solely responsible. No, no. Because okay, awesome. All right. I have to love the place. Okay, Jerry, now that we've stabilized, well, summer's over. Oh, this is another one? Yeah, second one, Jerry. May I have permission to read your mind? Yes, you may. Again. Um, now that we've stabilized, we're here, uh, and kind of a routine in the fall, September, October here, that I'm assuming that 
your the expectation is that I will cook, go shopping and cook two days a week uh, in a consistent fashion, regular fashion every week. Is that correct? It's a hope, but it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. No, I don't um, have that expectation. No. So, but again, and something else we have to have ongoing conversation about um, who cooks, who shops, who sous chef, who sous chef, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, actually, let me use one from last week because I, I was, I'm just so present. Uh, uh, it's so present with me. Um, and I think it's just a good one. Pete and I were on vacation last week and uh, went up to Cape Cod for, to ride the bike trails, a bike vacation, so to speak. So anyway, here, Pete, my permission to read your mind? Yes. I think that you want to start, you want to have a leisurely morning and start our day around 10 a.m. Get on the trails at 10 a.m. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's good to know because I want to get on the trail at the very latest at 9 a.m. So okay. again, that's something we have to, good. yeah, because I could feel in my body, like you're not in a rush to get out this door. Mm -hmm. And I was wanting to get out the door and I realized, oh, okay, we're, we're some mind readings going on there. Okay. Um, again, and just another one around time that I realized I was doing. My permission, can I check out an assumption? Sure. I, that I have, that I think that you want to leave um, on Tuesday to go upstate, that you want to leave around 8, 8 a.m. Is that correct? No. Okay. That's not correct. I do not. I want to actually leave earlier because I don't want to hit any traffic. Okay. So I'd rather leave at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. Okay. That's good. That's good. I'm glad. All right. We okay, can yep, we have a conversation on that and nail it. All right. Thank you. And we've been living with our um, uh, daughter and son-in-law and their two children all summer, uh, four months. And they have a two-year-old and one-year-old. And so they moved from Australia after seven, eight years. He's Australian and he's setting up his stone masonry business. And I was watching him and I said to him one day at a kitchen table, he was there and I was there, it was... And I said, Brett, may I, uh, can I, we have the skill that we do. So can I have permission to check out an assumption with you and, or, you know, read your mind? He goes, sure. And I said, okay, so I wonder uh, if you are completely overwhelmed by being in a new country, the United States, with new tax laws, new workman's comps laws, a new way of how business works, a stonemasonry business works, and that you are completely overwhelmed and that you sometimes feel paralyzed by it because it's so many things coming at one time to you, come at you at one time. Is that correct? And he looked at me and he smiled and he goes, absolutely. Mm. It was just a great moment, great use of the skill. And so what would have happened if you hadn't checked out your assumption with him? What was going on in your head? Um, well, I was trying to help him and coming along you know, connecting it with someone who does graphic arts to help them make a, a good flyer and a website and 
connecting with person there for liability insurance. So I was trying to help him, but I wasn't sure how much he wanted or needed. Mm. So it was helpful. Uh, mm. It was, it was, first of all, it was a great emotional connection for me. And uh, I didn't, I realized I wasn't invading his space. Mm. He's in a particularly acute, difficult situation and he really feels it. Yeah. And so this, these first months uh, to use our network and connections to help him get started in his own business. Yeah. It's good. So it yeah. was, it, for me, it was great. I know. And he's a great good, he's stone. A great guy. He is a great Mason. Okay. So, um, honey, uh, okay, Jerry. So tell me about this 80% of the time that people are mind reading. Okay, give me more, a little more detail on that. Cause I, I found that so shocking when you said about 80% of your interactions, your observation is in mind readings involved. Tell me a bit more about that how that works. Well, um, I know you're busy, that kind of thing. You start yeah, talking about but I that. Think, I think I have so internalized the skills that I'm very aware when I'm in relationship or conversation or communication with someone else that they've just, they, they cross, I, I don't know how else to put it, but they cross this, they cross these boundaries mm. all the time and, and kind of violating violating um, healthy relating, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So for example, you know, someone might say to me, um, you know, I don't want to stop by. I knew you were so busy. Or I didn't want to call because I know you have a lot of things on your plate. Or um, I don't know. Those are just kind of like. I said yes to you because I, I didn't want to disappoint you. Yeah. I don't right. want to upset you. I guess. Um, I don't know. I just. I'm just, it's very much on my radar. Mm. And so I just, my own unscientific um, test, but it's really high. It's so high how often we make assumptions without checking them out with other people. And it's so critical because you just can't have healthy relationships. You can't have authentic relationships or communities so, if you're, you know, making assumptions. So, Jerry, when someone says to you, oh, Jerry, I know you're so busy. Yeah. It's a great discipleship moment. What do you often say? In, what, do you, what will you say, perhaps, in response? Well, in that case, you know, as you have often said to people, <laughs> that you you say, I, I echo it, that, you know, I'm not, it's not that I'm so busy, but I'm limited. Yeah. I'm limited. So I get that that puts out there though the question of, well, then they weren't mind reading. Yeah, you yeah. are limited. Yeah, yeah. That's a little bit different. You know, it's a little kind of a little mm -hmm. bit different application. But um yeah, the sometimes I'll 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 say to people in that context, well, that's an assumption that you're yeah. making. And I'll try, you know, I'll try and clarify the assumption. All right. So honey, we've worked with uh cultures from all over the world, all the continents, and thousands and thousands of families. And tell me about the impact of family of origin, certain families of origin in particular, and cultures in this whole issue of mind reading. Yeah, well, so, you know, we haven't actually, I guess you did in the beginning, referred to the relationships course. We're not going to go into the mechanics in detail in the podcast. We want to keep referring you back to the course itself. Because when you look at the mechanics of how to do this, it's you're going to say, it's this is weird. We, my, we don't do this. And when we say we don't do this, who is the we? Well, the we is usually um, the culture I'm from. Mm. 
the family I'm from, whatever, the group yeah. I'm from. And that is true. Most of us come into adulthood without knowing mm-hmm. these skills. And so one young man in one of our mentoring small groups, I'll never, ever forget it. <laughs> After we had taught this skill, said to, to us, it's my, that's my family's whole way of communicating because they don't communicate. There's, there's no, there's no even talking. So direct. No, there's, <laughs> but, but it's, but there's, there's a lot of silence, but not good silence, like hard silence. And so if you're not a communicative family, you have to do all the more mind reading as to what is coming through this person's facial expressions or body language or comments or whatever. And so, um, yeah, I mean, our family of origins are our most formative place, but then our, you know, our cultures put layers on that. And so do our churches. Yeah. So it's It's a dragon, honey. It's a dragon. (laughs) It's a dragon. It's a dragon. (laughs) It's really impactful. And so You're used, I think one of the reasons this is hard to do is not because it's hard to do. It's because of the feeling of weirdness and awkwardness associated with doing the skill. Who who, who goes around saying, um, I have permission to read your mind? Who says that? Well, we do. We do now. And it's not weird. Or or some people are more comfortable saying, hey, can I check out an assumption? And my assumption might not be what... um, Pete has, sometimes my assumption is what, can I think, sometimes I'll say to him, can I check out an assumption I think you have of me? Yes. That, oh, I'm going to do all the shopping or I'm going to do all the cooking or I'm going to do all the arrangements for this trip or whatever. And um, so, and I always say, I always say hooray for awkwardness because if something is awkward when you're first trying it, that means you're being stretched, you're growing, you're pushing through something that you haven't done before. That's great. But you can make it and it will you will do it and do it and it'll become very natural. That's great. All right, let's make a few let's get a few minutes. Let's make some applications to leadership mm-hmm. and creating healthy culture, healthy community, uh, clarifying assumptions and expectations. So for example, for me, a big one, hiring. Uh, it's funny you say it's not just habits; it's also lack of maturity on my part. I would hire someone mm. for a position, even a volunteer, being putting a volunteer in position, mm-hmm. say a, like adult youth leader. But I wouldn't think through what assumptions am I making about what I want this person to be like. I'm assuming they have a walk with God. I'm assuming they've got the skills. I'm assuming they're going to show up on time. I'm assuming they got the time. Uh, uh, I'm assuming the kind of supervision structure they're looking for is what I'm going to do anyway, which is maybe once a month or something brief. Uh, I don't know what, how much they want from me. So many assumptions, assumptions about their marriage or oh. assumption about their singleness. Uh, and so I'm actually, so I was so sloppy about it. Cause I wouldn't, I wasn't doing the hard work of thinking about what assumptions am I making right. about this person? I'm going to put in that role and what assumptions that might they be making? I wouldn't do all that work. I just that's, put them in place and go for it. That's great. That's fantastic. Great example. <laughs> Great example. Great example. I'm thinking about hiring someone right oh, now, uh, part-time as a consultant for next year. Mm. And I realize, and they sent me a little proposal and I was like, Oh, I got to get clear. What are my assumptions uh, about this person mm-hmm. and about what the relationship might be like about 
what they're going to do and not do. What am I going to do and not do? And I realized I had not done thoughtful reflection before I even engaged him. Yes. And so I've got a lot of work to do to be thoughtful. And again, I, I, I didn't do this kind of thoughtful work in my early years of leadership. I was just so, so sloppy. If they could, you know, if they could speak and stand up, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. if they had a, whatever, a car and a, a job, we'll hire you. You know, I, I, I used to assume that everyone on our leadership team paid or unpaid uh, for years had the same philosophy of ministry. I did. They mm. just thought like I did about how, why we did what we did. And then, it was an assumption I made without ever really checking it out because I never really explained why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And so when uh, one person who was responsible for a large area started to deviate <laughs> and I'd be like, what are you doing? You know, and mm-hmm. uh, he just had a different philosophy of how worship in this case fit in with the rest of the whole uh, of the church. And uh, again, I wasn't clear. And it really wasn't his issue, it was mine. I just used to make assumptions that if they're in leadership or they're on our team, they're eventually going to think just like me. Wow. And it's all going to be good. Wow. And I found out that is not true at all. Mm. And so this was really good. I multiply small group leaders quickly without really knowing if they had my values or not. You know, I'm also... It was speed. I'm also realizing that there was this... They were in tandem with each other. As you keep discovering your voice, mm. then you're able to... Ex, you know, be more clear and ex, and your some and less assumptions. That's they, true. They de- like there you go. That's even true. Until, even today at sixty seven, you're still in a, in on certain levels finding your voice because Absolutely. we're we're always hitting new things, whatever. Um, and um, yeah, isn't that the truth? And that's why we ended up creating a rule, a pastoral staff rule of life, an administrative staff rule of life. Mm-hmm. What were the to get the assumptions clear of what? I was hoping for and what I wanted for people are going to be on our leadership team. And I thought things that were obvious were not, I found out they weren't obvious at all. So how about you, Jerry? And you had mentioned about a mentoring relationship you were in mm. leadership wise and how it got really messy because mm-hmm. you had not clarified an assumption. Right. And I'm trying to think if I, I don't think we had learned these skills No, I don't yet. think so at that point. So I, I was mentoring this young, this woman and but I, I realized, I became aware that she was not attending Sunday services regularly. And I became aware of the fact that I had an assumption mm. that someone whom I'm mentoring would be regularly attending services. Not for the legalism of it, but for, because part of the mentoring is being part of this holistic community and you're getting things on a Sunday morning that I can't give you even in mentoring or whatever. So I, I called her, but I I think I was pretty passive aggressive about it. I was trying to hint at the fact that, you know, I hadn't seen her at church. And at some point she called me out on it. She said, wait a minute, you, you're you're upset that I'm not coming to church. And I had to admit that. Yes. And of course it was a very awkward uh, mm. moment for me. I, I had some shame in that. But it's more shame at being caught, so to speak. But again, if I had known then what I know now, I would have been able to just say to her, Hey, I realized I have I have made an assumption of you. And can we clarify that. And she might say, well, then I don't want to be mentored by you if I have to go to church you know, 
whatever, regularly. And and that would have been been okay. Yeah, but knowing you now, I suspect if you were going to mentor that same particular woman or anybody, you'd be very clear about, let me think about how, I mean, let's share about what, how I see mentoring as a whole. No, absolutely. It's a much bigger framework. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, after, yes, post learning all this EH stuff. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. But pre, um, yeah. It was this a, is life and death, honey. It was a pain. It was, <laughs> it was a, painful. It was a painful thing. Yeah. And I remember Rick and Gigi, um, and they were starting to do Sabbath in the Philippines uh, early on, a number of years ago. And they, I remember him calling me saying, Pete, you don't understand. The, expect, the, the assumption is pastors work seven days a week and are always available. Mm. That is the entire country. Yes. And he goes, yes. and so the idea of taking a 24 hour period yes. to actually stop rest, the light in God, he goes, it is, it is considered lazy. Yes. And, and it's an assumption. And I said, well, wow. it is time to educate and rework that assumption because yeah. you never agreed to it. That's true. Some col- that's, going back to culture, some cultures believe that, you know, yeah. and especially for pastors, yeah. Uh, that if they're not putting in, if they're not working seven days a week, then they are lazy. Yeah. And um, that is just. And actually, this skill. That is that, not biblical. <laughs> Jerry, you talk about, you know, this, what do you call foundational level of doing it? Then there's mid level, then advanced levels. Yeah. So I even got to the point in our long history at New Life Fellowship of working through membership assumptions. What were the assumptions? folks were making as they became members of the church. And then what were the assumptions I was making and we were making as a leadership for the people who were committing to the church, yes. everything from serving to giving, et cetera. Yes. That was a super helpful and difficult exercise yeah. uh, to engage in. Uh, all right. Just, you know, just quick note about, and we often make assumptions about people. Let's go back to you saying we people, we lose sleep. Okay. So I'm preaching a sermon and all of a sudden someone in the third row gets up and kind of almost runs out of the room. What story do I tell myself on the past? I would go through all kinds of thinking. Why they run out? What did I do wrong? Um, that person's rude, disrespectful. Um, how embarrassing they shame me. Uh, what did I say uh, wrong, etc.? And would ruminate for days uh, until finally, maybe I'd have the courage to say, call them and say, what you know, what, what was going on? You, you left so quickly on uh, you know last last Sunday only to find out that they had a good reason. I got an emergency phone call uh, or something happened. But that mind reading, I would just ruminate and ruminate and ruminate and just sleep. Yeah, absolutely. I th- Oh, goodness. How many hours sleep do pastoral leaders lose? I, I think of board meetings because so many yeah. board meetings take place at night. And there's a lot to hash. And you, usually you're dealing with a lot of True. uncomfortable stuff, the yeah. tough stuff in board meetings. And then you go home and you start ruminating about it, whether yeah. it's you or, or you might be the board, you know, the board member. And you know what? I, gee, I wonder what they thought about my comment. I didn't get much response about that yeah. comment I made. Oh, maybe they think I'm, um, I'm being, I was aggressive or maybe they think I'm stupid or, or maybe, you know, that person, they didn't say anything in that board meeting tonight. Mm -hmm. They looked so bored. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we start just telling ourselves stories and begin to lose sleep. And now if it's something that you, 
is this important enough? Some of that stuff you can just say, you know what? Don't go down that road of mind reading just because they didn't say anything. Or, yeah. or you can go to that person. Like I have, when I'm, when I'm leading a small group and someone in that group is silent the whole night and they're ordinarily not, I can start going down a road of, are they mad at me? Yeah. Did I do something wrong? Do they hate this group? Okay. <laughs> and so I, I don't allow myself to go down that street. I say, don't go down that street. And then when I have a moment, whether it's at a break or at the end of the evening, I might say, hey, I'm, pu- I'm puzzled why you were so quiet tonight. Or if it's, if it's an assumption, you know, that I'm making, uh, can I check out assumption or can I yeah. permission to read your mind? And I would, again, nine times out of 10, what story I told myself was wrong. Yeah. And that's, that's a high, I'm saying nine times out of 10. That's great. And so um, check out your assumptions. So we're giving you a taste of this skill, uh, the basics. Uh, but I want to encourage you to get a fuller expression of it and get a hold of this emotionally healthy relationships uh, workbook and the videos that go with the workbook for free. It's part of the Emotionally Healthy Relationships is part of the larger EH discipleship course. So just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash community and for free, you can download the first session. Uh, watch the video. You'll get a copy of the new workbook. You'll actually get a, uh, something on the, on the Daily Office book as well, a devotion that goes with it. But download a free session. Check it out, please. We, which, one of our goals here in this podcast is to get you hungry enough to say, I got to check this out. Uh, so again, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash community. Get a free sample. Check it out. Uh, I think you'll be really, very, very encouraged. All right. Jerry, two last things we want to do here before we close. Why does it take high differentiation to, to stop mind reading and stop making wrong assumptions that become like, we got to slay that dragon? Why is high differentiation needed? Yeah, so you want to just um, define differentiation first? Yeah, differentiation is my ability to be true to my God-given unique self right. while remaining connected to another person. We often think of a scale of, you know, zero to a hundred, and we want to be growing in our emotional, personal maturity of differentiation, having in a sense our own voice, clarity about who we are and who we're not. Right, right. Takes, yeah. So it so takes. Why is that so key? Yeah, differentiation is key because you differentiation takes courage mm-hmm. because again, we grew up in families and cultures where we weren't given permission or taught. To use our own voice. We basically had to think and feel, usually uh, think and feel in a way to get the approval of those who care for us. And uh, sometimes our life depended on it. So, or, or the getting yeah. the feeling of being loved depended on it. So breaking out of that is no small thing. Being able to step away from that and say, I'm going to say, tell you what I think and or what I feel. And so this little act of using your voice to, 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 to realize you're thinking a certain thing about this person, but you want to check it out, takes courage. And every, so anytime you're, you have to do that's differentiation, great. you have to have courage. And that's why this is, a, this is like a, a little skill, but it's a huge skill. One small step for you, one huge step for your church. <laughs> okay. All right, let's close with this. Uh, 
Last night, I read the chapter in your book, The Emotionally Healthy Woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great yeah. chapter, honey. Yeah. <laughs> quit faulty. No, I just want because it's so important. So for these chapters there called Quit Faulty Thinking. Yeah. Tremendous chapter. And so I want to give. I'm going to give you three or four scenarios. And I want you to just just. I want you to uh, correct the assumption, wrong assumption. So okay. I, I come to you. We're role playing. All right. Uh, I mean, I'll do my best. For do that. your best. Okay, Jerry, uh, you didn't return my phone call. Uh, or my email that I sent you, you must be upset with me. Okay, can I give you, I'm going to respond with a real example. Over the weekend, uh, my friends and I are planning a trip next year. And so, you know, it's, we're in this critical time of getting the date, getting the date for an international trip. So we're supposed to, my one friend was, she was the one kind of holding things up, so to speak, with her and her husband's calendar. She was supposed to get back to the other friend, by Friday. Yeah. So then I hadn't heard anything Friday. I didn't hear anything Saturday. So finally I called my friend in charge of the trip and I said, Hey, you know, Michelle, what's, what's up? And she goes, you know, Mary said she would get back to me. She never got back to me. And I said, really? Well, I said, that's interesting. So I, I didn't jump to any judgments. Michelle said, would you call her? And I said, I, so I said, I'd be happy to. So anyway, I waited till Sunday. I call my friend, Mary, Mary had texted Michelle. Mary had called Michelle, but Michelle just never received them for whatever reason. And I didn't get to the bottom of <laughs> why she didn't receive them. But um, you know what? Yeah. So we just nipped it in the bud in terms of. Yeah. But, the, but there, were, there was, you know, assumptions beginning to bubble there. Yeah. So why doesn't somebody, you know, you text someone and they don't get back to you. There's a very, or an email, there's a hundred reasons why I don't return an email. Because one, I forgot. One, I didn't see it. Um, one, it went to my junk mail. I mean, there's just, there's so many reasons. And so we don't okay. Good. make assumptions. Right, let's just do one more here. We're almost okay. out of time. Hey, Jerry, uh, John did not acknowledge me at church yesterday. And I think he's avoiding me. I think he's... I, I think he's angry at me. So what I would say to you, if you came to me and said, John is avoiding you, I would say, um, I want to invite you to just go to John and say, hey, John, uh, you can say that you can go back and use the word I'm puzzled. I'm puzzled mm -hmm. why, you know, you walked right past me and didn't say anything. Okay. Or, hey, John, can I check out an assumption? I think that you might be, and you fill in the blanks, upset with me or avoiding me. Is that correct? So that's how I would respond Excellent. to it. That's great. No, it happened good. to me. It happened to me at church. A woman, but she had know the skill. She had learned the skill. And I had walked past her. I, and so anyway, she came to me and she said, Jerry, can I check out an assumption? Because she goes, I know the skills. I said, yes. She said, you walked right past me and you didn't say a word. Mm. And I was like, oh, I, I said, I didn't, I didn't see you. I was moving fast in this direction. And she goes, I am so glad I checked out that assumption. She goes, I would have started telling myself all sorts of stories, especially because of Beautiful. our position as pastors, leaders in the church. There's a, there's a greater sensitivity yeah. to how people um, project, project or, <laughs> or, or impacted by us. Yeah. And I was so proud of her. I was so proud of her that she checked that out. It was great. We both got a big hug. Honey, thank you. So everybody, listen, we want to encourage you uh, to uh, 
go to Emotionally Healthy Relationships, which is part two of the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course. You can download a free session on our website at emotionallyhealthy.org slash community. And you can actually do and watch session one. So this comes with videos that go with it as well as a day-by-day devotional. Uh, Again, we just dealt with skill number two today. You get a sense of how large these skills are. And uh, boy, we've got genogram, incarnational listening, speaking. We've got climb the ladder of integrity, clean fighting, so much ahead of us. So excited for it. But thank you so much, honey. This is life-changing. And uh, it is as spiritual as prayer and Bible study and worship. And uh, so please practice it. You'll be very glad you did. Thank you. God bless you, everybody.